After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. WTs. After further review, David the Man Got Harris is on the show along with Jacob Lethal Beats. Once again, in the studio, home studio that is. But we're still here on Saturdays 11 to 1 and also on our podcast if you missed the show on SoundCloud and on iTunes. WXUTs. After further review with a picture of Frank Bastion and the horse's head. And David, we talk a little bit of women's soccer. Yeah, and understanding that it's a women's world cup. The knockout stages, after you know, group stages, all the technical language. The United States beats Sweden two 0 There's a lot of conversation whether the United States would lose this game intentionally in order to get a better draw, although better kind of is in the eye of the beholder. But as expected, the United States kind of didn't want to lose their rhythm, their momentum. When so now. They take on Spain in the first round of the knockout game on Monday. And just looking at potential crash course, kind of who they would potentially meet each way in the quarterfinals, the United States would either face the host country, France, which be, which would be a tasty and interesting matchup. For a lot of people, this was going to be a final, the United States versus France. And so you get that in the quarterfinals. Brazil's kind of struggling a little bit. So I fully don't. I fully expect France to beat Brazil. So France, United States quarterfinals. If the United States beat France, that would lead to a semifinal matchup with either Norway, Australia, or England. I think England beats Cameroon. Norway and Australia is a toss-up, and England against either of those two sides is a toss-up as well. And so yes, you have a little bit of a harder draw in terms of. You know, quarterfinal matchup, and again, Spain's not a pushover either, so it's going to be hard for the round of 16 as well. But I think if the United States, kind of by this time next week, if the United States is still alive, they have a pretty good shot. And if? We, yeah, I'll say when. Okay, we're going to we're going to go full American homer. When the United it, States is still You're right, it could be and, if. Well, I mean, I think France and the United States is going to be a difficult matchup because these are the two clear favorites in terms of kind of the Women's World Cup. And taking into account France with kind of the home field advantage, kind of host nation, there's a lot of pressure on France. And France is basically made up of club players from the greatest women's club side in the world, Olympic Lyon. Like, they... They are the best of that. So kind of talent-wise, they are one and two, or for some people, one and one A, depending on who you talk to. But I think France, United States, and let's just put this in American terms, kind of with March Madness, where you have 
kind of two juggernaut teams. And so last year, when it was Duke and Michigan State and the Elite Eight, where it was, you know, two kind of teams going back and forth, back and forth until the very end. That's how I see transfers to the United States. Kind of, or even kind of Philadelphia and Toronto, if we want to go NBA basketball, how that was back and forth, back and forth. You thought, you know, there were, you know, you didn't know who was going to win. You had some predictions, you had some ideas, but you knew the star power would show up. And as we saw, it took seven games and five hundred eighteen bounces later. Like that's what France and United States will be in the quarter to kind of make American comparisons. So I do think United States will beat France, but it, it's going to be their toughest matchup so far. And I think probably their toughest matchup of the entire tournament will be that quarterfinal matchup. And so I, you know, when they win, they'll. I expect them to get that England, Australia, or Norway, setting up a potential for me looking at the other leg of the bracket. It's either going to be Germany or the Netherlands in terms of who I think they'll meet in the final. I think it's going to be Germany. And again, Germany, the strongest side on the other side of the bracket. Germany, United States, tasty matchup. You'll have to see who I predict next week. But, yeah, there are some interesting matches in the round 16 for this Women's World Cup. It's, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of teams, particularly on the other side, opposite the United States and that quote-unquote weaker side of the bracket. But there's going to be some interesting matches. So if you just want to watch soccer in general, or if you're like me, and like, and eh, Gold Cup, we know it's set up for United States Mexico in the final. Yeah, who cares? I mean, I care, but like the general casual soccer fan is like Gold Cup, eh, Copa America, eh, African Cup of Nations. You know, there's interest, but I think Women's World Cup takes center stage. And so you have some interesting matchups starting on Monday or Sunday to look forward to. Right. So you you basically do you think the women will win the the entire World Cup? I do think they'll go back to back. Okay. The only the two teams that I could see them losing to are France in the quarterfinals and if they play Germany in the final. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more likely that France will beat them rather than Germany. You right. know, finals anything can happen. But I think kind of the firepower that the United States has, not just in the starting eleven, but in the depth that they have in their second team, who a lot of people are saying the United States reserves are better than most teams, you know, most countries' first teams, similar to that. You know, Alabama football's backups are better than, you know, half of college football, kind of that similar argument. But it's actually the truth because of the United States just least about ability. So it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, I fully expect Team USA to go back to back. Mm-hmm. No, that's nice. Isn't it kind of strange? Why can I ask you a question before we kind of get out of here? We only have a few more uh, minutes here. Why is it that the women do so much better than the men? Well, I think in terms of kind of the United States women have had longer, more sustained success. Kind of if if we're going to look at kind of where the World Cup, that kind of pinnacle or earmark, kind of the men and women kind of starting off. So for the U.S. is 94, then the women is 99. 
kind of since then we saw with the men kind of the rise of MLS and the national game kind of developing a little bit slowly. But and there have been some kind of blips and some high points, a lot more low points if we're just gonna be honest. But in terms of, like there isn't this consistent success in terms of the men's national team. The stars that are kind of comprising of this men's national team aren't kind of the global stars as the women's game are. And so I think because not an oversaturation of talent, but a lot of the men's stars are playing in Europe, are playing a little – there's some that are playing in Asia and South America, but the majority are playing in Europe at the top, top team. And so they are the stars for the country, but then also the stars for the club side. Whereas the men, yes, we have a couple of players that are stars. The big name, Christian Pulisic, moving from Dortmund to Chelsea. You have a lot of younger European players like Tyre Allens, Weston McKinney. Like these younger guys that are 18, 19, 20, 21, who are going to be, you know, that core of the future that are applying their trade in Europe. But the majority of the old guard are, like they had some time in Europe, but they're not playing in MLS. And in terms of the competition, if I'm just going to be honest, MLS is not up to par to the likes of the Premier League, the likes of Liga, Serie A, the Bundesliga. Like, it's not up to par. So the competition that you're playing against, competing against week after week, is not the same. And so when you get to the international competition, when you're playing against guys that are competing against the best of the best, you're going to show that, hey, we're not up to it. And... Also, just in terms of management, kind of general U.S. men's national team craziness, like who is, like there's a lot more questions that you ask. But then when you look to the women's side, the majority of our women's national team are playing for the best sides in Europe, are playing for the best sides of the you know, NWSL, which is, you know, the women's pro league, which, if I'm going to be honest, is doing a lot better at producing star talent than MLS is in terms of the American product. But then our best of the best are playing for the best teams in Europe. Like, so they're applying the trade against the best and they know that they are the gold standard. Right. It's kind of like, if you want to get better, you go practice, compete against the best. It's kind of why kind of, we look at teams and kind of making the American comparison to kind of wake up some of the listeners. Kind of, if you're a college football if you're Alabama football, you're going to get better by competing against Clemson over and over and over again. Like beating up on Vanderbilt football is not going to make Alabama football better. Beating up on Ole Miss or Mississippi State, like, yeah, they may get one on you, but on the whole, like, that's not going to make your team better. What makes Alabama better is come bowl season when they're going up against, you know, the best of the best. That's where they can kind of test themselves. And I think the men's national team are operating at that level where kind of they are the Ole Miss, the Vanderbilt, not to keep picking on these two, but SEC. Kind of they are kind of these smaller schools that are trying to compete with the big boys at the table. And it shows when we get to these international competitions. Like, yes, we're good against Guyana, Jamaica, 
in theory, were better than Trinidad and Tobago, but that's why we didn't go to Russia. It's like, but then when you go to a World Cup or these larger competitions, we struggle against Mexico, even though they're a local rival. We struggle against the likes of Argentina, Venezuela, and we're not even going to touch the Europe team, the European side, because we know that USA can't beat the likes of France, England, Belgium. Like, that's just not happening. And so if you want to get better, I think your talent has to apply their trade. And I think, again, the U.S. is starting, the men's side is starting to do that by having some of the younger players opt to forego kind of college soccer, which is an entirely different conversation altogether, and apply their trade in Europe, starting with these club sides, getting into the academies and playing consistently so that they can develop and train with these other young players that are going to be the futures for their respective countries. And so that's how you get better, by learning from the best, working with the best, and developing the best. And then it's probably going to take probably that 2026 North American World Cup for us to see the fruits of the labor that's happening right now. But I think we shouldn't expect any kind of international success on the men's side until at least after the, at that World Cup. And that's the top fill is followed for diehard fans. But that's, that's my honest truth. I think at the 2026 World Cup, which thankfully we're going to automatically qualify as a host country, we're going to see, okay, how good are our young players right now that are applying their trade in Europe. Can they lead this team to, at the very least, around the 16, if not the quarterfinal? Now, last question, and we'll get out of here. Do you think it'll ever change, though? Do you think that the men will ever get to the level of the women or no? Oh, no. I, th- I think the women have set a standard, kind of not just domestically in terms of their sex or success, but internationally. Like, U.S. soccer, and I mean... In the foreseeable future, I don't think no. Like now, obviously, like 40, 50, 60 years, kind of, we see the life. And everything, you know, the country goes through phases. We, you know, we see the rise and continued success of France on the global scale, Germany on the global scale, Brazil, even though they're having a down year this year. Like there are other countries that are kind of right there with us. We're just kind of that next step above. So would I be surprised if 10, 20 years from now, France is that global power? No. Or England or Sweden or Canada. Because these are all the teams that push the U.S. to be better. And I think by us being better, that's going to push them to get better, and that's going to make the women's game far more competitive. I think it's going to take, a, it's going to take at least a cycle of talent for the men to even be close to having that kind of dominant of starting 11 that can compete on the global scale, whereas the women are already leaps and bounds above it. All right. Well, David, yeah. thanks for your, your insight on all of that, man. Uh, we got planned for this weekend. Uh, just a lot of baseball, a little bit of basketball, kind of thinking about training camps coming up. And next week, going to start this football preview because football is almost here, people. That it is true. Well, Dave, have a good weekend, man. In Syracuse, having right. his own church. 
week. All right, man. That was David, the man of God here. He's giving us the insight on soccer. Tampa Bay Rays uh, stadium situation trying to share with uh, Montreal. And uh, then also uh, talk a little bit about the NBA draft recap. Once again, thanks for Darren Cohn for calling in as well. Make sure you always check us out on 88.3 WGT's After Further Review, Saturdays 11 to 1, or that's on the radio side, or if you missed the show on Saturdays, we got our podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes as WGT After Further Review with the picture of Frank Vashner and the horse's head. More to come here on another edition of 88.3 WXUT After Further Review. Jacob, you